Luke 10, 1 to 8. Let's start with Mark 6. Then Jesus went round, teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lamb among sheep wolves or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the workers deserve the, the wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Lord, we ask that you speak to us as a church community and as individuals. Lord, thank you for your joy. Thank you for your kingdom is here. And now, Father, do what only you can do in us. Amen. You may be seated. So I was so happy this morning. I actually had my shorts on. And hey, Carolyn, good to see you. Hey, Michael. Sorry. I, was, I had my shorts on because I was going to baptize people. But, you know, you all realize how cold it is. Hey, David, good to see you. Um, you know, they just chose the time to walk in. Like. <laughs> uh, and so... It's a bit chilly, and I don't like being cold. And so the Lord spoke to me. No, I'm just kidding. I just picked my phone and went, hey, Sean, do you want to get in the water? And uh, being that he's from Canada and it's a bit cold there, he was obliged to. So thank you, Sean and Meredith. Um, there's a group of people that gathered as a small church, a church that was just beginning and at the end of one Sunday, in the evening, uh, the pastor, uh, the, the, one of the leaders put them in groups to pray with each other. You know, kind of like how we often sit in groups of three every, every time, uh, right about when we're finishing. So that's the same thing. He'd put them in groups uh, to pray over each other. And in one of the groups, there was a guy called Larry that had just lost his job. Larry had... Um, had a back problem uh, that he had been born with. He had a congenital uh, back problem. 
and his bosses had found out, and so they had fired him. They, they told him, you cannot do this job with uh, the kind of issue you have. And so he's gone to church, you know, just like everybody else, and he needed the job, so he was, he was a bit down. And so he told his little group, guys, just pray for me. I've lost my job because I found out about my back, and I needed this job. So anyway, so they huddle up. And they start praying, you know, nothing fancy, no one is great, uh, you know, just a group of people in church, they're huddling up and they're praying. Later that night, Larry called each of them, very excited, he was very excited. He hadn't gotten a job, instead he had been healed. So during prayer, he felt a sensation like electricity through his body, and when he got home, he realized that his back problem was gone. And, you know, no one was necessarily praying for healing, but God did, you know? And that small congregation uh, are the seeds of, of what became the Vineyard Movement. And so it grew across, uh, across the, the Americas and spread into even who we are gathered as a church community here. That is, that is our heritage as a church community. Because later on, they leaned more into, okay, if healing can happen, maybe healing is of now. God still heals the sick. And so they leaned more and more into that. And that is our heritage, people. That's who we are. We're people who, who, who believe and expect God to move, who believe and expect God to heal even today. You see, for us, church is where we gather to learn how to follow Jesus and get healed. And then we go out following Jesus, and guess what? We also heal people out there. That's who we are. You know, uh, there's so many ways we could talk about who we are. There's so many facets of who we are as a, as a church community. Today, I just want you to realize that one small piece of who we are, we are a people who actually believe that God still heals today. And so we expect, we anticipate, and we practice. So we'll be spending a few weeks talking about healing. Healing was a big part of the ministry of Jesus. And healing is a big part, frankly, of what it means to answer the call of discipleship. Healing is a big part of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Jesus had close to 120 disciples, people who followed him, learning from him, and doing what he did. That's why there's a portion where he's sending out 12, and there's a portion where he's sending out 72 others. And, you know, and, and um, what would happen, what, what discipleship looks like, if you hang around a rabbi, you hang around your master enough until you stop becoming like him, but you don't stop there. Then you go out and do stuff you start speaking like your rabbi, and you start doing stuff that he did. You would hang around your rabbi, get, uh, you know, uh, get caught up in who he is, and, and then go and do the things he did. Uh, there's a friend of mine who was, uh, um, we'd gone to uh, Bible school together, and she was visiting Nakuru, but she ended up in the wrong trinity. Well, there's never a wrong trinity. In the other trinity. There's a Trinity uh, Chapel up, up, up the street. 
and one of our own was lost at that time. No, he wasn't lost. Ben, Ben was hanging out there, and so Ben, Ben strikes up conversations with anyone and everyone. Some, some people have been invited to this church because Ben met them at a, at a, at a food store, you know. So Ben just talks to everyone. I'm not sure what he's looking for some other time. No, just, okay, we've got to focus. So Ben was the guy playing keys. Anyway, so Ben strikes up a conversation with this um, a lady who had, who had known me for four years at that point, and this lady goes, you sound so much like Edgar. He goes, yeah, but yeah, he's my pastor. He has hung out, he, at that point, he had hung out with me a lot. He still hangs out with me. <laughs> he, he, he had hung out with me a lot that someone who knew me would go, I think you know this guy, so take me to him. And so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, driving up to the church and I see Ben sitting with a friend of mine. I'm like, ah, how did this happen? He spoke like you and so I knew he must know you. This is the kind of thing... Uh, that discipleship was about. I actually think, um, you know, when, when Peter has followed Jesus uh, and uh, during the trial of Jesus at the house of the high priest at night, and, and three people tell Peter, you must be one of them. I don't think it was just about the accent because people talk about, oh, they'd come from around the same place. I don't think it was just about the accent. I think there was something about Peter that made them go, no, 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 you've got to be one of them. That's what discipleship is about. Imagine what it would look like if believers did not need T-shirts that say, Jesus saves Behold, ask me about Jesus. Imagine if believers didn't need bumper stickers with a fish on, but just because of who they are, people go, you must, you must be a follower of Jesus. Nothing wrong with your t-shirts. All I'm saying is the, the invitation has always been hang around Jesus enough that you become like him and it doesn't stop there. So you see, these people who are now being sent had first been invited like this, come follow me and now at this point they're being told go come follow me then go there's always this movement we follow jesus and then we go out into the world come follow me then go what was this come follow me jesus was literally saying to these people hey do you want to hang out with me just hang around me and so they would go where jesus went the last time, I, so they would go where Jesus went. They would sleep where Jesus was sleeping. They would eat where Jesus was sleeping. They would hang out with the people Jesus is hanging out with. Also they were hearing him teach. They were seeing him do his stuff. And you know what? It was, it was making them into somebody because the people you hang around with shape you. So as they were hanging out with Jesus, as they were hearing Jesus teach, it was forming them. And now, from time to time, Jesus would tell them, now go. Say what I've been saying and do what I've been doing. You know, uh, what was changing them? The very presence of Jesus. The people you hang out with are forming you. They are shaping you. And, you know, some of us are extreme introverts, so we hang out on the TV. That's also forming you and shaping you. There's a presence. You know, when we hang around people, we, people are a presence. And Jesus was also a presence, but not just a presence, the presence of the living God. And so this was transforming this group, this band of disciples. And also he was teaching them, which was replacing bad ideas 
That's why one of, see, uh, the, the call, repent. Uh, the scripture we've read says, and he told them to go teach repentance. Repentance was about changing your mind. Because once you change your mind, your life follows suit, right? So Jesus would teach truth, and it would begin to change their minds about what they believed about the kingdom of God. So they would be repenting, and then they would start living that way. If some of you have noticed, uh, um, those two scriptures are happening before Jesus has, di uh, has died and risen from the dead. But they look and sound so much like the Great Commission. It really is the same thing. Go, the harvest is plentiful, and then uh, declare the, the good news. The challenge has always been, at least for me, that sometimes the church narrowly makes the Great Commission about just declaring the good news of the kingdom. For Jesus, it wasn't just about declaring the good news, it was about declaring the good news and demonstrating the good news of the kingdom. For so many people, the Great Commission, as we call it, or this invitation as we look at here, is all about getting saved. You know, the way people use that word, oh, are you saved? Oh, I'm saved. But for Jesus, that word actually is, is more than just hearing things and saying things. It's about a way of life. The word used is sozo, which actually can be translated into saved, as we use it classically, uh, and healing and deliverance. That's why when Jesus sent them out to declare uh, the kingdom of God is near, what did they also do? The same thing Jesus did. He, they healed the sick and they cast out demons. For Jesus, it's one and the same thing. That salvation isn't just something we hold up intellectually. Salvation isn't just something we believe. Salvation is something we live and practice. That salvation is, is, is healing in totality. It's wholesome. Salvation is wholesome. Salvation is... is, is uh, when things are being restored to, to, to the original design. So our relationship with God is healed, but so are our bodies and so are our minds and so are our emotions. Healing, um, healing is, is uh, sorry, salvation is not just one thing. Hey, I'm now saved. I follow Jesus. It's, uh, it's, it's not just the proclamation of the kingdom of God, but it is also the demonstration of the kingdom of God. It's the same word. It's the same word. And, you know, healing can be physical healing, like the story of Larry that I just told, and we will share a couple of stories during the, during the, the coming weeks, uh, where your body is restored to what God designed bodies to be. It could be emotional healing, where deep wounding and hurts are removed and, and you're set free from, from their impact. It could be mental health healing. It could be healing of the mind. It could be healing of memories. Some people struggle so hard by how, how traumatizing their memories are. And God heals that too. And it could also be spiritual healing, where people get healed from spiritual abuse, because that's a thing. What has happened 
in, 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 in Shakahola, and now there's a case in Siaya. That is spiritual abuse. And some of those people will carry deep, deep wounds and mistrust for God and the church. Yet even there, God does bring healing. And spiritual healing also includes what we commonly call salvation, where our relationship with the Father is healed. For Jesus, it is the same word, and it is the same action. Salvation is healing, and healing is salvation. All of it is the action of the kingdom of God being present. When the kingdom of God is present, people turn away from their sin, but when the kingdom, and when the kingdom of God is present, people also get healed. There's a story of a, a, a paralyzed man who's brought through the roof by his friends uh, because the room was very full. And when Jesus sees him, he says, your sins are forgiven. And of course, it creates a, a, a bit of problem with the leaders, of the religious leaders. And he goes, guys, which do you think is easier? Telling you his sins are forgiven, which can be just an inward thing and no one can tell if it has happened, or telling him to take his mat and walk. And they keep going and go, okay, why don't you take your mat and walk? And he does. You see, for Jesus, it is one and the same thing. His, his forgiveness and his healing is all salvation. It has always been the act of the kingdom of God come. One day, Jesus is hanging out at a party thrown by um, uh, uh, Matthew, a guy who would later on become one of his followers. And you know... <laughs> Matthew was a tax collector. So guess who are his friends? Other tax collectors. And the kind of people who hang with tax collectors. And these were uh, considered very sinful people. No one, no, no self-respecting righteous person dared hang out with them. So the leaders, the religious leaders look at Jesus and go, what is wrong with this guy? So they call his disciples. like, why is your teacher... If he is truly a righteous person, why is he hanging out with these kind of people? Then Jesus says this statement that has become famous. It is the sick that need a doctor, not the well. He did not come to, uh, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And, you know, often we narrowly interpret that to mean you know the classical sense of salvation hey it's about people beginning to follow jesus it's about people finding faith and that is true and that is true i just think it's such a narrow interpretation because for jesus the use of the word sozo would have been the same it would have been the same thing that means healing. It would have been the same thing that means uh, 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 deliverance. It would have been the same thing that means healing. For Jesus, salvation is holistic. Uh, there's a friend of mine who wrote a book uh, on healing. And when he was... Uh, um, learning to, to be a pastor. So he was apprenticing under someone. Uh, he's in the pastor's office, and someone from church comes in. He has a terrible toe, and he has all this anger, and, you know, he had really, really injured his toe. And um, uh, so he talks. He wants counseling because he's not doing too well, obviously. And uh, uh, this friend of mine goes, what if we pray for your toe for healing? 
And the guy goes, no, no, don't worry. The doctors are taking care of that. I've just come here for my soul. I'm not doing well. But these two are the same. You're not a separate soul and a body on the other hand. No, you're one whole thing. And so after feeling pestered, he said, okay, fine, pray for it. Later on in the evening, he had such relief from the pain in his toe, and he actually went, you know, I am actually feeling better all around. Why? We are one whole thing. For Jesus, salvation is holistic. It's for our mind, our body, our soul, and every, uh, every part we are as one. And for Jesus, teaching of the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom of God was one. It wasn't, hey, you can do the teaching and then person X does the demonstrating or you can pick and choose. Teaching of the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom was one. In fact, one is com incomplete without the other. And this is how Jesus understood his ministry. After his baptism, full of the Holy Spirit, he goes into the wilderness where he's prepared for his ministry. And then he goes right into Galilee. He's teaching and, and people are amazed. And then on the, uh, he shows up at the synagogue. So because he's been teaching around, I would imagine so many people showed up to listen to this guy. It's like, hey, we hear there's someone who's been teaching with so much authority. So they show up. When they show up, Jesus takes the, the scroll of Isaiah, one of the prophets, and a lot of his prophecies were about the coming Messiah, the one who would be both the suffering servant and the restoring king, the one they've been waiting for. And he reads from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. <laughs> then Jesus closes the scroll and says, oh, by the way, guys, this has come true in me right here. And they got so mad because essentially Jesus was saying, hey, I am the Messiah. I am the one who you've been waiting for. I was listening to a rabbi who was saying, you know, the Pharisees uh, didn't have a problem with some of Jesus' interpretation of the Messiah. They mostly had a problem with him claiming that he is the one. So they love what Jesus is reading, and then they go, oh, but now you think it's you. But if this is how Jesus understands his mission, what is Jesus saying in the first sermon he has preached? Jesus is saying, you, you don't see him going, oh, uh, I will declare and proclaim. It's all wound up in one. That the, the work of the kingdom, his job, his job description is one, because he is anointed with the Holy Spirit, he is the king that has been, been wait, being waited for, and he has come to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Alongside that, he's bringing good news to the poor. Alongside that, he's bringing recovery to the blind. And alongside that, he's setting the oppressed free. It's the same thing. The proclamation of good news that the year of the Lord has come for Jesus is the same thing as setting the captives free and as giving sight to the blind. For Jesus, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom is one part with justice. When we stand up and speak for those who cannot speak for themselves, for Jesus, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom is one part with when we love the weak and the downtrodden of our society, 
For Jesus, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom is one part with driving out demons and healing the sick. It's the same thing. Actually, John, one of his disciples who pens one of his biographies, um, says, uh, calls the, the miracles of Jesus and the healings of Jesus signs. What do signs do? They tell us that something is on the way, or they tell us we are somewhere. So for John, the healings of Jesus were signs pointing us to the coming kingdom. The kingdom is near. Or signs pointing us, they were signposts telling us, behold, the kingdom of God has come. So everywhere we go and share the good news of the kingdom, when we say, behold, the kingdom of God has come, the presence of the king comes with the power of his kingdom important because then people can tell is this real is this fake and I'm not going to presume to know what the right answer is uh, you know what what do we do uh, in the age of social media and videography I, I don't know um, but all I know is that 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 for Jesus healing was never for a show and it was never for popularity in fact how far we've fallen from the design because when Je a lot of times Jesus healed, he'd go, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> like, oh, I just received my sight. Great, shh, don't tell anyone. But, you know, most of them ever listened. <laughs> but, but the point is, Jesus never wanted to become popular because he's healing. It was out of compassion. It was a signpost for the kingdom. It's the same to this day. So, but even with the mess there is in the church, in the, in, uh, in the area of demonstrating the kingdom of God, I would not want you as followers of Jesus and us as a church to shy away from our heritage as followers of Jesus. Let's not shy away because there's a mess out there. And one of the reasons I said you as followers of Jesus is because healing is not confined to a few people and Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings or whenever the church decides to meet. Healing is for everyone, everywhere, every day. So if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, as you come follow Jesus, you're also being invited to go out. And part of going out is, is the proclamation and the demonstration of the kingdom of God. Now, let me just address the mess for a moment um, uh, as we come to an end. It, it, it is completely foreign. I know because the, of the mess there is, Shakahola, Siaya, and, you know, uh, uh, we, Every, every other year, we just find funny things happening on TV all over the world. And sometimes it could feel like the solution is to back away. It would be foreign to Jesus to have a theology of salvation that does not include demonstration of the kingdom of God. The demonstration of the kingdom of God is through acts of mercy, justice, healing, and deliverance. It is foreign to Jesus to have a theology of proclamation of the kingdom of God, and we ignore the poor. A couple of years back, I remember saying, if we have good news, it has to be good news to the poor. If our good news is not good news to the poor, it's not good news. 
It will be foreign to Jesus if we have a theology of proclamation of the kingdom of God that does not include speaking up for people when they cannot do it for themselves or laying our hands on the sick and preaching healing, uh, speaking healing over them or casting out evil spirits. It will be foreign to Jesus. Two, the truth is we will make a mess because we are human peoples. You and I will make a mess of this thing. But that does not make Jesus shy away from that invitation and sending us out. The apostles made a mess of it. They had to gather again in Jerusalem to talk about these things. And then in Galatia, we see a confrontation with, uh, between Peter and Paul. Why? Because we are people. We will make a mess of it. Our, our stuff will get in the way. Our doubt will get in the way. Our culture will get in the way. But let us not uh, shy away. Paul writes to the church in Corinth about spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts. Uh, and he's setting them straight because there was a lot of spiritual, a lot of activity of the of the Holy Spirit, but they were creating a mess out of it. Some thinking they're more important than others because they could do this and others could do the other. And Paul was trying to set them straight. What Paul doesn't tell them is, okay, for the next two years, y'all can't practice the gifts of the Spirit. I think Paul would have a bigger problem with a church that does not dare practice the gifts of the Spirit than a church in Corinth that had a mess. Honestly, as a, as a, as a, as a as lead pastor, I'm okay with a bit of mess. I, I sometimes go, oh my word, we go live every Sunday. <laughs> and you know what? It's okay. Let's all learn. I am so grateful to Jesus that when uh, I became lead pastor, we weren't going live because... <laughs> That was a whole lot of me messing. And I still do, but you know. Uh, it's okay. So when we talk about giving words of knowledge, when we talk about uh, he, uh, praying for the sick, when we gather in groups and sometimes we're prophesying over each other and, and we're praying for each other, it's okay to mess. What is not okay is to shy away and go, uh, maybe not for me. Then the other thing about the mess is that the enemy will plant fake things around us. The enemy will plant fake things in our hearts. The enemy will plant fake things amongst us as a community. The enemy will plant fake things even in the church. There's a parable Jesus gave of a farmer who went out and planted wheat and then he went to, uh, to rest, and in the night, his enemy came and planted uh, weeds. And so they started growing together. And the workers, you know, you and I, who are, who are uh, passionate for the gospel of the Lord, would go, oh, we need to do something about it. We need to tear down the, the, the weeds. We need to uproot them. And the, uh, and the farmer says, no, no, don't worry. Let them grow together. In the fullness of time we will be able to tell what, what's what from what. Yes, the enemy will plant things around us, but let us focus on God's business. Our job is to focus on God's business, both in general, as we engage with people uh, here and outside of here, and also in our hearts. The, the, the things the enemy is doing 
do not scare the father. He's not shaken off from his throne. And he's going, don't worry. I can see all that. I can see all that. And in the fullness of time, we will be able to tell these things apart. When there was a big problem with fake currency in the US, uh, the uh, department was uh, created to deal with it. And they spent a lot more time with real currency because that's how you'll be able to tell what's fake. You spend time with the real. You spend time with the real deal, and then you'll be able to go, hmm, this isn't. It's the same invitation. Let's spend time with the presence of Jesus because then when we're around counterfeit stuff, we'll be able to go, yeah, this isn't. I want to call the band back on stage. So the next couple of weeks, we'll just explore um, healing. But then we won't just do it from our heads and getting knowledge. We will practice. There, there's so many uh, beautiful stories of people whom God has healed in this church community. There's so many beautiful stories, um, quite a few beautiful stories of people whom God has delivered from, from uh, spiritual oppression in this community. And um, that's our heritage. That's our portion. What we will do is lean into it. Now, I'm not saying that it always happens. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that in, in a couple of weeks, we will have demystified healing and we'll become pros and we'll be invited to universities to speak about it. That's not the point. My point is an invitation to say, Lord, if you are moving, I am available. And trust me, it's not, it's not about super long prayers. I've seen and heard of people who got healed because just ordinary people in the crowd went and said, be healed, and they walked away. Why? Because when the kingdom of God is at hand, so is his power. So we'll be, we'll be exploring that. And as I finish, I want to end with a prophecy, a, a, a vision that John Wimber had. In a way, I want to both speak to us as a church community, because this is our heritage, uh, uh, but also just, it's part of the teaching, but I'm also speaking this over this church community. He was driving one morning, and all of a sudden, superimposed in the sky, he saw um, uh, a landscape, uh, the landscape was uh, covered with a honeycomb, completely spread out. And it was dripping with honey. It was just dripping with honey. Below the honeycomb were people of all kinds of people, all kinds of people, but they also had very different postures. Some were collecting the honey, and they were very reverent. They were like, oh my goodness, honey. And some were sharing what they're collecting with their friends, like, hey. And so he, he saw people coming to dip uh, their finger into their friend's clasped hands to, to eat of the honey. But some were very disgusted and disturbed. They just wanted to get out of there. It's like, oh, it's sticky. And, 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 you know, he's sitting with it like, Lord, what is, what is this about? And, and what he heard was, was the Lord saying, John, this, 
John, this is my mercy. My mercy is falling. And for some, it's a blessing. For others, it's not. Some people will receive it. Others will reject it. Don't ever beg me for healing again. Look at it. There's enough for everyone. The problem isn't on my end. The problem is where you are. Why don't you put up that last slide? Oh, yeah. Why don't we stand? So today, my invitation is very simple. Repent and believe the good news. Isn't it good news that God would heal? What if God is always willing? At the time Jesus was walking and uh, came across this guy who had been sick for years, years. And so it had become his identity. And he looks up to Jesus and says, you know, Lord, if you're willing, make me well. Jesus looks at him and says, I am willing. If Jesus is the image, the perfect image of God, then what Jesus is saying is the Father is always willing. So today my invitation is to you and us as a church, repent and believe the good news of the kingdom of God. Healing is here, it's present. What if the problem is on our end? I'm not saying it will always happen, and we'll talk about that. I promise we won't shy away from that. But what if God is willing and has always been willing? So as the band sings over us, um, I just want you to just spend time quietly, maybe even just looking at the image on the screen. But also just let's ask Jesus, hey, show me where I am the one, I am the issue. But also I want us to collectively just ask Jesus, in the next couple of weeks, open our hearts up for everything you have. Open our hearts up for everything you're willing to give. Yeah?